settle in, folks. It's going to be very interesting. This is Talk and Audio. <laughs> And running on an all new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast for a brand new July week. And I know, I know a lot of your favorite shows are starting to disappear on you, starting to take that summer vacation. We won't do that to you. We'll, we'll still take our summer vacation, but we'll still podcast from it. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson, alongside from She's Got Game on the TSN radio network and the Mouchoir Red Blacks podcast. And boy, do we have Red Blacks things to discuss. Michaela Schreider's here. What's happening, Shrides? Not too much, Matt. I've uh, I've spent a rainy Sunday afternoon just before we record this watching Fast X, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I, I'm I'm a little dumber for it, uh, <laughs> and uh, wondering, you know, just, just a bit of an existential crisis about like why, how did I get here, and and what am I doing with my life? Um, so you know, I'm thriving, thriving today. Yeah, it sounds like it. It really sounds like it. You say mm-hmm. a rainy Sunday in front of Fast X. Oh, it was a sunny, sunny Sunday uh, down near the dock where I was just sitting, hanging out with, uh, oh, watching my uh, my two nephews play around and, uh, you know, climb on some inflatable thing. And the whole point of the game was we'll help each other climb up and then knock each other off back into the water. Uh, I got I got way less to complain about today than you by the sounds of it. You just woke up today and chose violence, didn't you? <laughs> I woke up today and chose pancakes, which is something I never oh, choose. Jesus. You know me? I am not a pancake. I'm not a breakfast person. I'm not a, a morning person at all. But uh, I, I went to bed at a reasonable time for a cottage Saturday night, told my niece and nephew, yeah, you can wake me up and, and we'll we'll get grandma to make us some pancakes. And so, yeah, I you know what? The further I continue to pour on here, it does feel like I'm I'm choosing violence a little bit now, Shreds. It's it's rude at this point, quite frankly. <laughs> but I got pancakes. You got to be happy for me, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel so good. First pancakes for you. in like three, four years. It's God. Now I want pancakes. Yeah. Well, you could do that. Right? It's a little I, troll I, I Tuesday suppose I'm or whatever. I can have pancakes whenever I want. Let's have beer first. Uh, Let's do We're going to talk a little bit about your uh, your beer goings on because you've been traveling for beers, which is man something I'm super envious of. Um, Let's let's talk about where you've been. Let's talk about what you've been drinking. But first, let's talk about what you've brought to the table today. There we go. That's How's that for sound it. effect? Perfect. Uh, today, today I am bringing Base Camp Brewing to the table. Nice. Um, which is something I've drank on this show before. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Justin Francis, who is the owner of Base Camp, passed away uh, not that long ago. And um, thank- thankfully, a number of people have kind of stepped in and helped his family brew the remainder and brew and can the remainder of the beer that he had going on. So yeah. they opened up uh, the brewery the other day and I went in and bought probably way too much beer. But uh, the pale ale is one of my absolute favorites. Um, so that's the one I'm going with today. Okay. I think that's uh, – I'm glad you brought that up because that was a you know pretty rough story, right? They had just gotten up and going here and obviously now to – to lose him, that's, that's very tough. So uh, I'm glad you've managed to, to bring that up. I'm going with something, uh, I, I know a brewery that you and I are both quite fond of. And this is Beyond the Pale. And this is from their Focus series. And it felt appropriate because as I said, I was just sort of sitting outside and I'm looking around. I'm like, I should have one more drink before the show. Matt, focus. I should go jump in the lake with my <laughs> nephews. Matt, focus. Right, like you got, you got things to do here today. Uh, this is... 
I don't even know this word, Schreitz. This is their one-hopped Huel Melon German Pilsner, H-U-E-L-L. I my goodness. I guess it might be German. You're you're the German one on the show. You you don't have this for me. You can't help me out at all. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, my my German is uh, uh, swear words at best. So, <laughs> so you got the important <laughs> stuff. It's a swear. Okay, I can't help you. It's a it's a five percent German Pilsner. So on a on a warm summer day that is not rainy at all, uh, I am I'm going with that one. And beyond the pale, man, like they don't do much wrong, right? Like they they, no. they have a pretty impressive lineup. So have you had a pull on that? I, I, I'm sure you've had this one before, but uh, what can you tell the listener about it? Oh, I love it so much. Um, it's, it's delicious. It's, it's, you know, everything I always say, um, people play fast and loose with the term pale ale sometimes, and it can mean different things, but this is like basically what you'd expect a pale ale to be. It's nice and light, but it's also got a decent level of hop and bitterness uh, it's 5.2%, so it's not super high on alcohol, but it's got great flavor. Um, kind of perfect for what the the weather you're experiencing that I'm not today, that's for sure. But uh, this this was definitely, is definitely my favorite beer that Basecamp has, and, and I was glad that they had, uh, they were able to, to brew some, so I, I bought uh, as many as I could. Right. I get that, right? When you start to feel like... Uh... Something might be running out. It might not be around very long. You make sure you, you stock up a little bit. And, and this one, uh, whatever, I, I assume H-U-E-L-L is German for awesome. And we're going with the Ooh. awesome Pilsner. This is, you and I have talked about this before, right? Like, I like things, if you're going to put that on your label, crank it up. Don't come at me with subtlety. Mm-hmm. Bring it. And they, this is a strong Pilsner flavor. So if that's the type of thing that you're into... Uh, enjoying this one quite a bit. Um, look, I want to talk to you about what went down at TD Place on Saturday between the Red Blacks and the Blue Bombers. I want to talk to you about uh, this professional women's hockey league that we got firing up. I want to talk to you about the WNBA All-Star Game. I want to talk to you about the World Cup starting this week. But we have to start with where you've been and what you've been up to because it's sort of central to, to beer. I, I've noticed that your sports travels also involve beer like you you managed to string these things together well let's start in the pacific northwest because you you returned there there is a bit of a homing beacon for shrides in the pacific northwest Mm -hmm. let's talk about that what took you out there and uh you know we can start with that and then get into uh get into the beer scene yeah second time in under a year that i went to the pacific northwest last year was seattle this year was portland uh we went there for the main long weekend to see a portland thorns game right. which is the nwsl team that christine st Clair plays for Who? um i yeah <laughs> have you ever heard of her I, uh, <laughs> I really wanted to see her play with her club team and portland like is, is a city i've always wanted to go to i heard they have a, a great craft beer scene great mm-hmm. food scene just like a cool city overall seems very much my vibe <laughs> um so we we booked a trip out there and, and it wouldn't be a trip to the pacific northwest with michaela and josh if there weren't some sort of flight oh, issues no. on the way out <laughs> Last year, I can't remember if I told the story on the podcast, but last year we went to, we went out to Seattle. It was like the peak of crazy travel time when like everyone right. was delayed and Pearson was a nightmare. Yes. Yeah, Air Canada leaving people stranded. <laughs> like we got stranded in, in Vancouver overnight, had to uh, spend money on a hotel room, and then uh, we we flew out the next day. It was it was chaos. This time wasn't quite so bad. 
except you may recall WestJet uh, was on the verge of going on strike. And guess who we booked with, Matt? <laughs> so our flight was scheduled to leave at 6 a.m. on Friday, and their strike deadline was 5 a.m. on Friday. Awesome. And they, didn't, they, they ended up getting, right? right? Just, yes. just perfect, perfect timing. Um, they ended up getting a deal done at like the 11th hour, but by then they had canceled our flights because they started preemptively canceling flights. Sure. So to make a long story, probably even longer, but I'll try to make it short. Um, <laughs> luckily we had booked, I'd booked our flights through points. So I was able to call my credit card company, like the rewards company, mm-hmm. and they got us for a nominal fee, of course. Of course. Um, they, <laughs> they got us rebooked on uh, a series of flights between Air Canada and United <laughs> that got us out to Portland. We did get refunded for the WestJet flights. Thank God it actually ended up being so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Right. We did have to fly out of Montreal, so it involved a little bit of driving and, and, <laughs> and just like chaos. But um, we flew through San Francisco. Uh, our flight was delayed, so Josh and I were like sprinting, like, and I mean full on sprinting across the San Francisco airport. We, but we made it. We made it to Portland, and um, it, was, it was it was out off. of your way, like San oh Francisco. <laughs> I know, but you made it. And you like, got there. We made it. Yeah, we got there. It was it was kind of funny. Like the the first night we were there. By the time we we went to this uh, uh, pizza brewery slash pizza place and had a, an amazing dinner, but we were so tired. Like I think we were honestly in bed by seven p.m. Well, because we you're, you're sort of both reasonably early night people anyway, and now you've factored in three extra hours onto your day, right? Crossing these times, three extra of- hours. We were up at 3 a.m. that day Ugh. to drive to Montreal, right? Like it was Is that just not a normal long, for you? at this I point. Just- no, it was like an hour <laughs> earlier than normal. Um, and then, like, factor in just the stress of it all, the the San Francisco debacle. Like, we were just exhausted. But but by the time we woke up Saturday morning, we were refreshed and, sure. and ready to go. Um, we hit up, uh, God, I, th- I honestly don't know how many different breweries, but quite a few. I want to say, like, I counted at one point. I think it was nine different breweries throughout the trip there. Wow. And... Not one of them were bad. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, they were pre- they were all pretty great. And and the good thing about Portland is you don't have to walk far to find one. To no matter where one. you yeah, are yeah. in the city, yeah, you, like you can do. We kind of did a couple little self guided brewery tours in, in a few different spots throughout the city. And uh, I mean, Pacific Northwest kind of known for that West Coast IPA. Uh, so there's a lot of that, but there's a lot of really funky and cool beers and. Um, it was, it was a fantastic beer scene, fantastic food scene. Uh, we went to, they have those like food cart pods throughout, excuse me, the city where like you just plop yourself there and it's like seven or eight different food carts in one spot and you just kind of pick what you want. And it's there. We ate very well and we drank very well on that. None trip. of those ever seem to pop soccer. up on the dirt road behind my cottage, which would be killer if they would, but it never seems to happen. How rude. I know. <laughs> I, I do remember one day saying to my dad after we had a couple together, I don't know where everybody else was going, like a wild wing would clean up right now, like on the other side of this yeah, road. <laughs> but I've flown out to Portland once. One of the things we don't talk about a whole lot on this show, but uh, for a while I coached our friend Amy Burke's you know, team. She's a four-time Paralympian now and whatever. I used to coach her a little bit. And we flew out to a tournament in Portland and – she actually had the aisle seat from Vancouver to Portland and shoved me into the tiny little whatever. That's a whole other thing, a uh, a beef I still have with Amy. But 
the person sitting across the aisle from us was a food reviewer from Vancouver who was flying down. And I, you know, sort of said, you know, what's, you know, is, is this area known to be kind of big for foodies or whatever? And I had no idea. And she said, yes, it is. But right now they've got me doing a thing on craft beer because like the Pacific Northwest is the hub in the United States for craft beer explosion at this point. And that would have been 2015, 2016, something like that. And so I mm-hmm. quite rudely shoved Amy to the window seat and took the aisle seat so I could talk to this person now. Like, where do I go? Like, tell me about these breweries. Where can I possibly go? And I didn't have as much time as I wanted down there because, oh, there was a tournament we had to, like, focus on. You can't be drunk for it. And people get really judgy about it. You so, rules. Right. But, like, that was my first sort of introduction to, like, oh, this is a place that's known for this scene and, like, craft beer on every other block, basically. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, you saw some soccer uh, while you were there. I did. Um, we we went to a uh, Portland Thorns versus Chicago Red Stars game. Uh, and fortunately, it was right before or a few weeks before the international window opened up. So we got to see Christine St. Clair play and Sophia Smith and all their big names, Crystal Dunn, um, all their big names who are now in Australia for the World Cup, which we'll right. get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was, it was was pretty great. It was a great game. The atmosphere there, I think there was about 20,000 people there okay, yeah. at Providence Park, and uh, the atmosphere was great. Like Josh isn't a soccer fan by any stretch of the imagination, but he's right. like, if every soccer game's like that, I'm into it, right? <laughs> like the, the atmosphere atmosphere is pretty cool and it was one of the things I loved about Portland was everywhere we went you know we'd talk to people and they'd ask us what were you know, what brought you to Portland and and I said we're Cincy. here to see a soccer game <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and uh they're like oh is it the thorns or the timbers like no one just assumed it was the timbers which right. is the MLS team um everyone like the thorns and the timbers I think are on very much the same level in terms of huh. uh popularity there they they love the thorns they love Christine Sinclair um, not quite as much as we do cause she's ours. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And, uh, well, I should, I should mention it actually, I, as I drink out of my, uh, pint glass mm-hmm. that I got from there, we also visited, uh, the sports bra, which is, <laughs> as I'm sure many people have seen me post about is a sports bar that is dedicated to women's sports. Yes. So it's like uh, they 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 I don't think they o- they don't only air women's sports but they prioritize women's sports, um, and it's you know, just decked out like floor to ceiling in a bunch of different women's sports uh, memorabilia. And we were we watched an NWSL game and a WNBA game, um, so it was basically heaven for me. <laughs> right, there's something so I don't, like that's not a complicated bit of wordplay right but i love that like there's something so simple about it that's like i'm glad someone grabbed that and turned that into something right um and you know what their tagline is no their tagline is we support women okay (laughs) we support women i love that like hell yeah (laughs) just steer right into it i love that that's Um, amazing yeah, it was it was a solid trip, and yeah, some of the breweries we checked out just to give them a shout out: uh, Ecliptic Brewing, which was amazing, um, Stormbreaker Brewing. I'm going through my my photos here to try and remember. Uh, Ten Barrel Brewing that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was there. There was no shortage. Backwoods Brewing Company. There was no shortage of great beer there. That's for sure. And so then that was far from the end of it. You went uh, about as far in the other direction as you had Mm -hmm. just gone west. I know this trip wasn't necessarily sports related. This had something else tied into it. Um, 
and you know sort of making up for for past things missed where where did you go next and i know that was less about craft and more about one very specific beer yes so we went to the uk and ireland we went to england and ireland um a couple weeks ago now um the purpose of the trip the 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 destination was dublin and we were going to see a florence and the machine concert in dublin um which is as magical as it sounds and (laughs) we've just with the flight paths and, and everything, we decided to spend a couple of days in London first. Josh has never been to London. Uh, I love London and, um, it was just easier to fly through it. So I thought, you know, let's spend a few days there. And, uh, aside from a bit of a heat wave and a complete lack of air conditioning, cause they're not built for that. <laughs> um, no. it, London was great. Lots of great pubs, lots of great beer, lots of great food. Um, and it was, it was very much a Florence and the Machine trip while we were in London. We went down to a neighborhood called Camberwell, which is where Florence Welch grew up. Hmm. And we went to a pub called the Joiner's Arms, which is where, before she got big, she used to perform there. And when it was she more like Florence it in a and a gadget of instead of a machine, right? It was, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so is Josh, uh, I, so, I know Florence is like a huge band for you. Is Josh a fan at all? Or mm-hmm. is this one of those ones that you tag along and be supportive I don't know that he'd go see her on his own. I know that he does tolerate the amount of Florence and the Machine music that I make him listen to, and I know he likes it. Yeah, okay. But it's it's definitely definitely my thing, and definitely something I dragged him along for. But the, the problem is with Josh, you can never tell because the dude would be he could be watching the greatest concert he's ever seen in his life and he'll be standing there dead still with his arms crossed and no expression on his face <laughs> and then if he really likes a song he might clap bit of a sway so maybe, maybe a sway can we get a sway? no not no. even that that's no <laughs> like he's got to be i'd have to give him some serious drugs for to make that happen okay um so everyone must have been looking at this guy like he is not having the time of his life because if you've ever seen a florence the machine concert it is very like immersive and and she gets really in there with her audience and everyone's dancing and like i'm not a huge dancer but obviously like i'm participating and he's just standing like us like a pole just <laughs> could not be more still if he tried but i knew he was having fun because he was clapping so i think he enjoyed it okay um and the concert itself was not in london this was uh the concert was somewhere else maybe the home of a very famous beer it sure was it was in dublin yes uh malahide castle and gardens to be specific and uh yeah we may or may not have indulged in a few of their uh local beverages (laughs) uh maybe you've heard of them Guinness, I think they're called. Gwin- Gwinness, uh, Gwinness, something. Gwinness, <laughs> Gwinness. <laughs> yes, I believe they call this Gwinness. Right. Um, yeah, like we were there under a year ago, and for for our honeymoon, and and we loved it so much. We, we, it, this all stemmed from. We were we got back from our honeymoon like in a few weeks later we were sitting around we were chatting like we both loved Ireland so much and we're like we should go back like like I would go back tomorrow if I could and and Josh agreed and he's like maybe next year we'll we'll find a way to go back for a short trip and then the next day Florence and the Machine announced uh, new tour dates and and they were going to Dublin so I was like well mm-hmm. we're going <laughs> now what There's if what no if the next day it. instead of Florence they'd announced WWE Survivor Series was in Dublin. Would that have gotten his back there quite as quickly? Do you think that would have worked? Maybe. You see, um, I don't know. I'd have gone with Josh. If, if it was, if, if, if Florence was playing at the same, <laughs> like, like, like the same trip, yeah, I think I could have. Sure. I've been to Survivor Series. Yeah, I've been to Survivor Series before, so I'm sure I could sit through it again. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I forgot you've already uh, you've done that once already. So uh, power to you. You've done your and, duty and, on that. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. I pulled my weight. And, and just for what it's worth, in case like I didn't make it clear, the concert was quite literally the greatest concert I've ever seen. And I'm still thinking about it today. And Tweeted about um, it for weeks afterwards. That, there was to it, like, video and I'm, on I'm Instagram. holding back. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you, if you only knew how much Florence and the Machine music I have listened to, by the way, not great for your mental health. It, Florence and the Machine music is both the cure for and the cause of my depression. So yes. <laughs> uh, careful balance. Yeah. You got to be real careful. Um, but before that, the, the best concert I had ever been to was Florence and the Machine in Toronto. So it just replaced that sure. concert. Pushed but it, it was down, great. It was it was so amazing. And just everybody always says, right? Like, I, I've never been to Ireland, but like nobody that I've spoken to has ever been to Ireland and come back and not said. And by the way, the Guinness, not the same, right? We're not getting the same not Guinness the that same. they're getting. Not the same. And like, I love Guinness. I'll drink. I, I like it's it's definitely different. But like, also get Guinness here and like appreciate it for what it is here. Sure. But it's it's not the same. It's not <laughs> even close to the same. And um, there's there's one pub in particular, and and I mean they're all great. But in Dublin, uh, I think I talked about it before on the show. John Cavanaugh's Grave Diggers. It's like known to pour the best pint of Guinness in Dublin. Right. And we went there on a very busy day, where I think most pubs are like this. Like if it's really busy, they just have a guy at the at the Guinness tap pouring constantly. It's not by but... order. It's just. Just constantly pouring double, like like two two pints at a time, and then handing them Pass out them as people out, so, order them yeah, because yeah. it's that uh, it's moving that fast. That's wild. Um, yeah, it, you, you you just hear it all the time. I, I can remember the closest thing I could possibly compare to, and it's not the same at all. But before I discovered the craft beer thing, like I just graduated high school, I went on this baseball trip, Yankee Stadium, Shea Stadium, Baseball Hall of Fame, whatever. It, it was all stuff in New York State, and we ended up. Close to the border, I don't even remember, Syracuse or Albany or something like that. And someone on the tour had already asked me, if you were at home in Canada, all I ever hear about is Canadian beer, what, you be, what would you be drinking? And I said, well, probably Canadian. He goes, yeah, yeah, no, I get it, Canadian beer, but like, what would be, like, no, it's Molson Canadian. And you're like, and that was sort of the end of the conversation, I thought. And now we're sitting in this bar in, let's call it Albany, and this guy comes back, he's like, they have your beer, I bought us all around. And he buys like six rounds of Molson Export. And yeah. And so you're like, he's bought me a beer. I'm going to be polite. We'll all drink it. Right. And then before you pay any attention to it, he's back up and he's ordering everyone another round of Molson export. And so I stopped him before he went back the third time. I said, I'll go get us around. And I don't even remember what I got like bud or whatever. I thought you loved Molson. I said, yeah, but you know, I'm in the U S I'm just trying to live like you guys. No, let's have the Molson. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, man. I got to tell you. That's not Molson Canadian. That's Molson export. We export it because it stinks. So we give it to you. <laughs> like we send it out of the country. And I'm, it's not the same as Guinness because Guinness is great anywhere. But everybody I've spoken to has always said it's not quite as great as it is actually in Ireland. There's one ingredient. There's one something that they're doing for what they're keeping that they're not giving to the rest of the world. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the the lines. Like- sure how active they are and i know they have a guinness quality team that basically goes to like every pub in ireland to check to make sure everything is up to code yeah and um yeah even it's just, just not something about it across there, the ocean and aged yeah and like i don't that. think i don't think any beer travels really well right. especially a, a beer like guinness and contrary to popular belief the stuff we get here is brewed in ireland like right. there, there is a brewery in baltimore but i think they specialize in like their other beers sure. like the hop house and yep. There's a few others, but uh, the extra stout or whatever it is that we get, that's that's brewed in Dublin, so it's got to travel a long way to get here. Okay, yeah. 
man, you've done you've done some traveling, you've seen some things, you've tried some beers, and we like it when you can bring it back. I, 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 I like when you can bring the stories back. You you don't ever bring me back actual beers, but the stories I'll take the stories. Well, like I said, it doesn't travel well. <laughs> Okay. I wouldn't want you know Matt what, though, to, tra- have to try a subpar beer. <laughs> I know. Just like, I'm, out I'm just thinking of interest. you, Matt. Yeah, of course. There is this thing that I think is coming to North America. It's not here yet. They just launched it in the UK. It's been around in Ireland for a while, but it's the Guinness Nitro Surge can. And okay. so they've got this little contraption that you put on top of it has to be a specialized can, like one of these specific cans. Um, and it allows you to pour the beer like it were coming from, from a tap. It's like a mini tap on the end of it. Um, and I think they're releasing them in North America soon. So that yeah. might that might help. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'll be able to bring that back next time. That would be great, right? Because make no mistake, I'm already thinking of my next yeah, Of course, my <laughs> next beercation. That's, uh, I get that. Mm-hmm. Look, we got a bunch of sports stuff we get into, but to me, the the place to start is this news on the idea that there is now going to be one centralized professional women's hockey league. And this news has been floating around for a while. It's, it was a bit over a year ago that Jeff Merrick started talking about this, and it just sort of kept dragging out. We weren't really hearing much. Um, the PHF was sort of continuing on doing their own thing and, and doing it reasonably well, right? And they, they had done a bit of expansion. Uh, and then we suddenly hear, I guess it's about two weeks ago now, that the group that is funding the PWHPA is now going to start this league and they are essentially, and I'd be curious about your take on this, they were very careful multiple times wanting it to be made clear, this is not a merger with the PHF. Mm-hmm. This is a purchase of an acquisition of the PHF. All of those contracts were dissolved. Um, I believe the health insurance and stuff that the PHF players had uh, tied to those contracts carried out until September. So not very long in terms of any sort of security, but they, it was important to them for whatever reason to say, we're not merging. We are acquiring and doing our own thing. Um, Look, there's a few different places we could go here. The fact that all of these players in the PHF had their contracts dissolved is unquestionably sad news, uh, disappointing, and very hard on them. They will be welcome to sign contracts. There will be a draft in this new league that's coming, but they've lost some security here. What was your impression of the news as it started to sort of trickle out how this was going to play out, who was going to be involved um, and you know, just sort of as it happened, what did you think of it? Well, this all came out like an hour after Vanessa and I had recorded the latest episode of She's Got there's Games. There's nothing and we're like, surprising about that. Right? Like, <laughs> no. If there's anyone recording <laughs> we, anything, they will. There will always be news in your wheelhouse broken an hour after you're done. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so yeah, the the Mark Walter Sports Group and Billie Jean King Enterprises are the is the company that. A while ago, uh, got involved with the PWHPA with the end goal of of starting a women's hockey league, and so they acquired the PHF and essentially dissolved it. Um, and like you said, player contracts were terminated. This all comes like a couple months after the PHF announced a huge increase in their uh, salary cap, yeah. and you know things kind of seem to be moving in the right direction for them. And so they have fully folded the league. All these player contracts are, are done, and, and that that's the real shitty part of it. Like, I don't care, you know, what 
side of this you've been on, where you've been viewing the women's hockey uh, situation for the last little while, you never want to see people lose their jobs. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. And, and, you know, the players found out in a memo literally at the same time that this was breaking. So um, not great. And, and you know, there's been a lot of speculation as to what exactly is going to happen with the PWHPA and their uh, journey to form a league. And for a while, I think we all thought, okay, the PWHPA is going to form a league. The PHF is going to continue moving on and, and continue having their league. And at the end of the day, there's just that's just more roster spots and more places for sure. female hockey players to play. Like, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So now we're going from what could have potentially been like 12 to 14 teams in total in North America. We're going to have six in this league. So six 23-player rosters. There will be a draft. There will be free agency. The players who played in the PW in, in the PHF are are uh, you know open to participate in that. Um, the same with the the PWHPA players, but at the end of the day, that's still a significantly lower number of roster spots. Right. So, from from a starting point, like you know, I said this on the show. That doesn't mean we won't see expansion soon. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it's only going to be six teams forever. But it's definitely like okay, that's that's not ideal. It's lost jobs. Um, yeah. It's lost jobs, and and that's never a good thing. It's it's you know these the the teams in the PHF too. Like, what's lost in all this is a lot of their marketing people, a lot of their operations people. Like, they did such a good job of building the brand and building their relationships in their respective communities. I think they they nailed that more so than the CWHL ever did. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge CWHL fan, but they sure. just didn't they didn't have the resources at the time to do that. And all of that. It feels like it's lost. Like I, I really hope that we're able to keep the names of these teams and keep the brands going on because I think that they've built something you want to build on that. You don't necessarily want to start from scratch. Like look at the Toronto six, like that. First of all, greatest name for a Toronto <laughs> sports team. They're also the defending champions and they did a ton of work in the two years that they were a team. Right. So I, I just don't want to have that be lost. Yeah, And if you're but, like a seven or eight year old, who loves the Boston pride and you have a Boston pride t-shirt and whatever, like just keep the name, like just be the Boston pride again, or like keep that recognition in the market that you've already built upon. And hopefully there will be some awareness to that. Um, Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't want to downplay any of, of the negative things surrounding this. Cause at the end of the day, people did lose their jobs at the end of the day much like a lot of stuff that has happened around this, whether it's the PHF or the PWHPA, the way that the players are treated is not always, you know, super great. (laughs) And this was another example of that. However, not, not to brush that aside, but just to, in addition to that, um, the CWHL folded and a week later, the PWHPA was formed. Sometimes things have to fall apart to make way for better things. Ted Mosby. I think that (laughs) while this sucks and it could have been handled better at the end of the day, by the sounds of it, we are going to have a women's hockey league that features Marie Philippe Poulin, Hillary Knight, Natalie Spooner, Sarah nurse. The list goes on of the best players in the world. They are going to be playing in one spot. The PHF, right? Was it, it was a very good league and it was creating jobs and people were getting contracts, Mm -hmm. but the, best of the best we're over in this pwhpa saying we don't see your vision the same way you do we're working on something else and at the end of the day they won out they got backing from uh 
some pretty powerful people with a lot of money. And yeah, when you talk about going from the the number of teams in the, the PHF to now having those players having their contracts dissolved, it's a bummer. And they are open to come and compete for jobs in the this new it's the PWHL is that right I believe is going to be the we don't actually have a name that's what Ian Kennedy's been kind of right using as a placeholder but even he's admitted we don't actually know what the name is yet so all of these women will be welcome to come compete for jobs and some of them will get those jobs but the PWHPA was always more stacked with that top elite Olympic level talent those names that we all recognize and those are going to be the people that you're up against trying to compete for jobs. So as you've said, this is a great step forward for women's hockey, but it does not come without pain and without sacrifice mm-hmm. and, and people that are going to feel the brunt of this. Exactly. And, you know, I think both things can be true that the PHF was doing a great job and providing some great quality hockey and doing a lot of things right. And also the best players in the world didn't want to play for them. Right. I don't know why, but it's that those, both of those things we know. Yep. Right. And I, I don't think we can ignore that. And it's, it's funny because, like, I've always felt like we were tiptoeing around that. Right. <laughs> like, because you don't want to take anything away. That's, yeah. It, it, that's just it. Like, the PHF, uh, I, I think they did a lot of things right. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, if you don't have the biggest names in your sport, it may not be the – I never had an issue with both leagues functioning at the same time. Sure. Like, I, I never thought that was a bad thing. You look at any major sports league in North America, they were all two leagues at some point. That's right. Right? NHL, WHA. Yep. And now, at some point, they all became one. Yeah. MLB, <laughs> so ALNL, this may not be a merger. the NFC, the AFC, yeah. all of these things. And eventually, that has to come together. As it, Whether it be a nice, polite merger between equals or a brutal acquisition of one over the other, <laughs> at some point... You have to merge. You have to get this all under one umbrella. And, you know, we talk all the time about the ratings for these Olympic hockey tournaments in Canada, USA, at 3 o'clock in the morning in Russia or Korea or wherever these games are, and they set these TV records. And then you you take your kids to go watch that PHF game, you know, two weeks later that's in your market or whatever, and you go, well, where is Hillary Knight? Well, where is Mer- – mm-hmm. they're not here. That that's really hard to sell, right? This at some point, this had to get under one umbrella. Yeah, I, I do think that that was always kind of where we were heading in some form or another. And again, it's may not be a merger, but it's very clearly yes. a dissolving and rebuilding together kind yes. of thing. So, in a couple of days after all this happened, uh, the PWHPA actually ratified a new CBA, which is going to be the CBA for this new league. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of really good things in that CBA, like a, a minimum for six players on each team. There's going to be a minimum salary of eighty thousand dollars. So it's you know your top players. Yep. Minimum salary overall of thirty five, but they're they're pushing for an average salary per team of about fifty five thousand dollars. Okay. All of those include player bonus. There will be in addition to that player bonuses. uh, U.S. Yeah, Yeah. Um, player bonuses, performance bonuses, MVP bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. That minimum base salary is also going to go up by about three percent per year. Again, not like the the minimum of thirty five thousand is not great, but like as far as starting points go for CBAs and women's sports, I've seen a lot worse. Right. right. (laughs) So I I was, and then there's there's all these other things that are part of the CBA like maternity leave and health care and, and all this stuff that, believe it or not, was a 
uh, was not included in, in female sports player contracts for a long time. The WNBA actually led the way on that one. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of good things in this CBA that I think are going to protect these players. Obviously, we want to see some growth. But um, I thought the that happening a few days later was also some good news. Sure, yeah. And, and it's just one of those things that it does suck. It really sucks for these PHF players that this has happened. But at some point, yeah, in my opinion, and certainly this is why I'd like to have you on, you're much more informed on these things. But like, even in terms of sponsorship or NHL involvement or whatever, this the stance has always been people don't want to pick sides, right? And have half mm-hmm. of the women's game upset with you and half of you saying you've done it right and half saying you've done it wrong. Do you, like, are you anticipating at this point with this new venture that we believe is going to start, I think January 24 uh, is, is when they're looking to get up and running. Do you anticipate mm-hmm. that the NHL will now be more open to getting involved, whether it be individual teams who are going to share markets or the league itself with sponsorship deals? Like, do you think this opens that door at all? I mean, not that I've ever held Gary Bettman to his word, but that's pretty <laughs> much exactly what he said he, he would do, that, right? Yeah. Like when, when there's one league, we'll get involved. Well, guess what, Gary? Yeah. There's one league. There it is, you right better, in front of you. You better get involved. <laughs> um, I, you know, individual players, ha- sorry, individual teams have gotten involved in both the PHF and the, the PWHPA and, right. and shown their support. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a more concrete uh, commitment from the NHL. Because, you know, we see this in soccer all the time. You look at whether it's the NWSL or, or European teams, like, most uh, the, most of the Premier League is tied to the WSL, mm-hmm. and Arsenal has a women's team and a men's team, and Man City has a women's team and a men's team. You know, why can't we get to some sort of club-based format where we have – and I know there's a, a lot of additional nuance in here because a lot of people don't think that these these teams should have to rely on the NHL, but I do think, like – why wouldn't you at least capitalize on a market that already exists, on a fan base that already exists, and on resourcing that already exists, and work with NHL teams to, con- to further grow this sport? So I-, I do hope we see some involvement from the NHL um, on this one, because again, that's what they said they would do. Right. And as you point out, you know, across Europe with, with a lot of the big soccer clubs, like they just share a name, right? One's a men's team, one's a women's mm-hmm. team. But they, do you think that's, better like let's say and because i'm i'm just assuming and and we've heard rumor but nothing's been confirmed the toronto and montreal will be teams in this new league do you think just you know it's the toronto maple leafs and the montreal canadiens and then yes if my french is uh how you're going to play that out like is is that the best road forward to tie yourself to one of these teams in these well-known markets and yeah here's the same jersey here's the same logo and the ones are men's team and One's our women's team, or would you prefer to see them try and build their own brand in these cities? Is it like, and maybe you're still tied to the team, but with a different name. Like, how do you see this playing out best? I think because it's North America, it would probably make more sense to have a separate brand, but just be like, like the women's team in Toronto is part of MLSE. Sure. Right. Whatever. It's if still they, the six. I, I hope they. But keep, it goes with the Marlies and the Argos and TSC and what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's again, I don't think we need the same names per se. I think, I don't think North America, North American sports fans are as familiar with that. Sure. Um, so I think separate branding makes sense. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I also think that there's a lot of strong branding in 
some of these existing teams that I'd like to see continued. But like that was not an unfamiliar model in the CWHL. Like the CWHL had Le Canadien who had very similar, who had identical color schemes to uh, the Habs. Uh, The uh, Toronto Furies had identical color schemes to the Leafs, the Calgary Mm -hmm. Inferno, same with the, the Flames. Like they were loosely tied, right? Sure. So, I think that was also okay. I, I don't, I'm not really like pro one side or the other, if yeah. I'm being honest. Um, you sort of I just nod to it, it but you don't marry yourself to it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think do whatever you think is best. There are people involved in this who are way smarter than sure. I am when it comes to this stuff. Do whatever you know based on your market research is going to play well in that market, mm-hmm. but just put good quality player, put, put a good product on the ice and market it properly and have good sponsorship and good uh, broadcast deals, and we'll be fine. And and that's what exists in the NHL that I think this this league could get involved with is those those sponsorship deals, right. those broadcasting deals. They that infrastructure is in place. These teams would be right to capitalize on it and and ingrain themselves in an already existing infrastructure. So last thing on this for you then is it your understanding that everyone is subject to the draft as if they were an 18 year old rookie like we could show up on draft day and the Toronto Six says with the first overall pick now I don't know what it's worth they're the PHF champions maybe they won't have first overall pick but you know what I'm saying that you know Toronto Mm -hmm. selects Hillary Knight and number two over Boston chooses Marie Philippe like are these players up to go just wherever or because they are the elite of the elite and they have helped start this PWHPA that they may have stakes already in a you know, no one would be surprised, nor would it be bad for business to see Marie-Philippe Poulin end up in Montreal. Yeah, like as far as I understand it, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know that anything specific has been confirmed. Right. Um, but I would imagine it's an open draft. Yeah. So everyone is subject to it. Now, they said draft and free agency. So I don't know. Does that mean so just free, free agency agent, in general next year? Eligible. Like, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe like, yeah, maybe they divide it. Like, you're draft eligible if X, Y, Z, and maybe some of those big name players are right. not draft eligible. They're free agents and they go sign with whoever they want. Sure. And I think that would be okay. Like, it, as much fun as it would be to yeah. have an open draft where like Marie Philippe Poulin could go anywhere. <laughs> Girlfriend is also in her early thirties and has done her time and has a life and a fiance. Like maybe she doesn't want to end up going to Boston right. when Laura Stacy goes to Calgary or, or whatever. Right. Sure. Like yeah, yeah. it's, it's fine. I think for these, and if I've I played be this like number also, of Olympic games, I'm a free agent or yeah. something. <laughs> if right? you have scored X number of, of <laughs> game winning goals winning in the goal. Olympics, <laughs> You yes. get to choose right. wherever you go. Right. But it, Whether like, we have a franchise I, or not, I, we'll just build a team around that city. <laughs> yeah. And, and I want to be careful because I know that there's a lot of people who are a little uh, upset that maybe the, P, the PWHPA players are going to get preferential treatment. And of course, that's always a risk. I don't know anything about that. But I do think if you are a veteran and if you have done your time, I, I think the free agency model might yeah. suit these athletes better because you know Hillary Knight. I think I think she lives in Boston. Like right. it wouldn't make sense. She may not want to go play in Toronto. Sure. She may want to stay in Boston. And I, so I, I I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I, I suspect that's probably what they'll do. Yeah. No. It, amazing. Like let's just assume, just for a second, that we're starting a brand new league. Everyone is draft eligible. Michaela Schreider. Oh my God. Has first overall pick, and now we're. Oh my God. You're like, 
yeah, there's Marie Philippe Poulain and there's Hillary Knight, but they're in their 30s and I'm trying to build a long term franchise and maybe do I want to no, go. I'm taking MPP all day. Okay. <laughs> this wasn't even a like delay, Just to save you time, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking MPP first all day. Yeah, she no, is the best Abby player Milwaukee in the world. Wait, like all of, yeah, okay. No. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I, and, and regardless of, you know, she's, I think she's 31. Yeah. Um, what a dinosaur. Um, but I, like, you. Her track record speaks for itself. She is still consistently the best player in the world. Yeah. And regard, even if she had slowed down, and I don't think she has, even if she had that experience alone, that's what you build your team around. Okay. MPP all day, baby. All right. Uh, I love this. I love the idea of a draft. I love the, actually, I should tell you. Oh, yeah. I, I think when we're done with this show, I believe I have to go tubing because I, I told my, mm-hmm. my niece, Jordan, uh, she was asking if Uncle Matt wanted to go on it on the tube with her, and, and he really didn't. Uh, and I, no. I, I said, if you can tell me to go home, do your research. If you can memorize, I need five maple leafs and one blue jay. If you can come back and name that for me, I'll go tubing with you. And she comes back the next day and just bangs it out like it's nothing. And you're like, um, so Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. uh, John Tavares, mm-hmm. Morgan Riley, yep. Mitch Marner. Yep. Uh, William Nylander. Nailed it. One Blue Jay. Uh, Boba Shep. Nailed it. At first, like, everyone's trying to, like, oh, it's Vladdy, right? Vladimir Guerrero. And, and she's having trouble with that name. She's only, you know, 10, 11 years old, and she doesn't know baseball. And so I started telling her some other j- This isn't at the time she's supposed to report to me. I'm just giving her. She's like, there's a Brandon Belt. People want me to remember Vladimir Guerrero, and there's a guy named Brandon Belt. I don't care who's better. I'm... One of these names is way easier to remember than the other, but she came back, hit it, no problem. I think I, I think I'm going tubing here when we're done. Shreds, it's uh, the game is the game. You yeah. gotta, yeah. And <laughs> you I, laid out the rules, my friend. I know. And she came back, no problem. Banged it out like it was nothing. Uh, around our family, also William Nylander is known as Sweetie Pie. I had to tell her, yeah, you can't call him Sweetie Aww. Pie. I'm gonna need a real name. Right? I have an 85 year old great yeah, aunt. Yeah, that's who, fair. Who. This says, Will, you such a sweetie pie. And so now that's what the whole family calls him. So, and actually, a lot of people's uncles, I'm sure, think of him as more of a sweetie pie than a than an actual playoff performer. So uh, that's one of these things where actually my that same niece sat down with me last night. And I was watching a, a little UFC on, on TSN. And uh, it was a women's fight. And there was a, you know, I, I, I'm going to put this out there as gently as I can. A, a fairly, you know, fairly attractive looking woman on one side and a woman who's clearly an experienced fighter on the other side. We'll, we'll put it that way. And my niece at one point says to me, I think they just threw a cheerleader in to fight that woman. Like she's getting mauled. By oh my time. God. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't particularly close, but these are the, these are the sports lessons that my, uh, my niece is working through me right now. And, and, and she watched overtime with me on Saturday, red blacks, blue bombers. I know you were in the building. Oof. And going into that game, I thought this looks dire. Ottawa could be in trouble at the end of the first quarter. It looked somehow worse than that. And at halftime, they were lifeless. This is dead. People are tweeting how sick they are of this performance by the Red Blacks. And then through the third quarter, you're there. The team continues to march. They don't give up. Dustin Crumb suddenly looks like he's been around for a minute and he knows what he's doing. But they keep getting down to, like, the red zone and nothing's happening. This could not be going Mm -hmm. any worse until suddenly inside the last three minutes, 
It's not just the two scores. It's two scores plus a two-point conversion. I don't know why I'm still talking. You were in the stadium for this miraculous comeback. One of the most unlikely things I can recall in the CFL. Not just from like minute one. It's the class of the league, Winnipeg versus Ottawa. But like coming out of halftime, one team is dead and the other is rolling. And that's not where it finishes. Shrides, what was it like to be a TD place on Saturday afternoon? It was the only way I can describe it is like a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> because they got booed off the field at halftime. And up until, yeah, about five minutes left in the in the fourth quarter, like we felt like we knew where this game was going. Yeah, for those who had bothered um, to stay. And yeah, cr- yeah, <laughs> credit to the Red Blacks, man. Like, like Dustin Crum, uh, they came back. They made it an incredible, incredible game. Um, you know, one of the best comebacks I've seen at TD Place for sure. And, and we saw Dustin Crum almost do that last week against Hamilton, yeah, right? Yeah. And then just come up short. So it was it was fantastic to see him actually be able to do it. You know, the swagger that comes with that, I, I do wonder how they carry that into the next game because a lot of questions at the quarterback position. And uh, <laughs> and you know, now we've seen we've seen what Dustin Crum we we've seen what Dustin Crum can do and it was spectacular. However, Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm probably going to get lit up for it. <laughs> they still played like crap for 90% of that game. That's right. And I don't think you get absolved from that. Listen, the comeback was amazing. It was so exciting. And Dustin Crumb deserves a lot of credit because, I mean, he his feet were most of that comeback, right? Like yeah. he did a lot of of carrying the ball. What I saw in that game was him not go to a second read at all. Him uses first reads and that's it. And when he, when when in doubt, run. And it's great that you have a mobile quarterback. Sure, mobile quarterbacks get figured out real fast. Yeah. And I, not to like take the wind out of the sails of this incredible comeback. I'm, I'm I, I really don't want to. I just there's something like gnawing at me where I'm like, yeah, but they had to come back because they played like shit. They had to come back because they did not show up until five minutes left in the fourth quarter. There's something. So there. I'm not like. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm I just. Maybe I'm just not ready to like, oh my God, the season is saved. We have right. Dustin Crumb. It's going to be okay. This was a fantastic game. Nothing is going to take away from that. But you needed to come back by two scores in a, in a two-point convert because you got yourself into that position. Yeah. Like, I don't think you, I just don't think that it's it's like, okay, everything's fine. The Red Blacks are fixed. No. <laughs> I'm still worried. <laughs> this feels very much like, this is still going to be a pretty rough season, but hey, we had this awesome moment against maybe the best team yep. in the league. And if you're a Red Blacks fan, and I'm one of them, that was fun, right? They were dead and buried. And so in that moment, you should enjoy that. You should have gone home happy. Oh, you yeah. should have cheered your hearts out, all of it. But now you look forward to next week and you're like, Oh, we're still going to start Dustin Crumb again, right? Like, and it's nothing against him. I don't know any team that can get down to like their fourth. What? So Arbuckle's hurt, and you don't really want him to start again. Obviously, Masoli's done for the year. Tyree Adams is done for the year after sort of, you know, he'd gotten people excited a little bit, and that was fair enough. And you just sort of, that was so much fun to watch. And I, I was sitting there, you know, like everybody else, cheering for the Red Blacks. And, and it was so improbable, right? The pick 
six going back the other way. You get the two-point conversion. Um, last play of the game to score the touchdown. Again, two points, get it done, and then win it in overtime. But I'm with you. When you're a quarterback like that who loves to run, you know, we sort of saw it last week against Hamilton early on. He was very successful, and then they sort of figured him out. And then in the first half this week, he wasn't really doing it as much. And then he started doing it more in the second half, and they didn't quite figure it out as quickly. Like, you got to figure anybody scouting Ottawa now goes, don't let that guy get his legs moving, right? Just collapse on that guy. And, yeah. and, and so we'll see. But, man, as, a, as, as many fans, and you and I have talked about this on the pod a bunch of times before, Shrides, the, the season ticket holders down there have been so loyal. And we always talk about what a great vibe it is, what a fun place it is to watch the game. And it's all true, but it always ends with the same sentence. But can I get a goddamn win? And this is the second home win in a row now for Ottawa. But this one was so out of the ordinary, right? So out of nowhere, so unpredictable. Um on a day that had had some questionable weather, there were some shots around the stadium about what attendance maybe looked like. You'd be able to speak to that better than I would based on watching it on TV. I was really happy, though, for Red Blacks fans to have that sort of pull out of the fire, you know, slay the Goliath, all of these sorts of things. That was fun. But as you look forward, you're like, but we're still on our fourth or fifth string quarterback and this is maybe yeah. going to be a tough season. Yeah, that's just it. And like I what I really hope comes out of this is this gives Dustin Crum the confidence to maybe trust sure. his arm a little bit more next game. He's also got to get some protection. I'm sorry, that O-line crumbled like a repeatedly, soda cracker yes. repeatedly throughout that game. That needs to be better. I but I also think there was a, a lot of trepidation in his game where, like I said, he was going to his first read and then panicking if it wasn't there. Yep. Um, and unfortunately he wasn't given the time. He wasn't always given the time to go through his, his other reads. So like I don't fully fault him, but hopefully they're able to carry this. Cause like, how do you not walk away from that game with swagger? Sure. Like, it's who like athletes are the are the best goldfish in the world. They forget everything, and it is easy to it is easy to forget a game where you played like crap for ninety percent of it, but came back in one of the best. <laughs> yeah, you got to win. You had one of the best comebacks in probably in franchise history, sure. and you know how do you not carry that into the next week? So I hope they're able to do that. Um, it's you know I'm I'm one of those season ticket holders that has been sitting in my goddamn seat for the, ne- <laughs> going on four years. Like I've been a season ticket holder since year since day one. Yeah. But this is the fourth season in a row that I have looked at my husband repeatedly throughout the game and gone, "This is going to be a long fucking season," and I said that multiple times yesterday. So I. I don't know where I Do was leave? going with Did that. It ever cross your mind? It's been you, tough. Was it on your mind ever? Let's just go. Because it always is. Yeah. Like, like, I'll be real honest with you. They have been unwatchable yeah. for going on four years now. And yeah. I have, I'll, I'll admit it, I have left early multiple times. Sure. I got an hour drive home. Yeah. I got a life. I got two <laughs> dogs at home. I'm not sitting in my seats waiting for them to come back when they're down by three scores and playing like absolute garbage. Right. I, I, we, we did walk down to, we usually finish the game. Like we leave our seats in the fourth quarter and we walk down to like near the log cabin and watch the rest of the game from there so that we can make an easy exit. It's exactly what we did this time. Thank God we saw the rest of it. And then as soon as we saw the win, we kind of peaced out because we had two dogs at home that had been at home all day. So, but yeah, 
absolutely gets crossed my mind, and I don't blame a single fan. Everyone's like, oh, this is why you don't leave games early. How dare you leave? I don't blame anybody who left, because I have seen that team. I know what that team normally does. Right. And I wouldn't, like, listen, if you left, you probably regretting it today, and you're sure, paying your own of price. Course. But I, I hate, just in general in sports, I hate shaming people for leaving early. Because, like, listen, if you're a sports fan, you do this for fun, but you also got a life. You yep. got to be at work the next morning. Right. You got kids at home. You got dogs at home. You got shit going on at home that you got to go take care of. If you're, if you spend the money to go to that game, you can leave whenever the hell you want. I don't care. Right. Like, I, I, I hate this. I, again, like, last night was, or yesterday was a reason, an example of a reason why maybe you, you stick around. But those are few and far between. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, of those course. Those are rare. Yeah, you'd kick yourself <laughs> so, if you like, were in the car. I, and, uh, I saw people on Twitter saying, I'm shutting this off. And, like, not just casual, but, like, dedicated, hardcore fans I know from mm-hmm. following them long enough. I, I can't watch any more of this. And so, yeah, the natural part of it for for people who stick around is to go like well see i bet you regret that now and every reason to check out this team was dead yeah. on the ground with no signs of life and so full credit to them for getting up and coming back and getting that done yeah no i'm not here to shame any fan who went i can't watch no. more of this shit at this point right that half that first half was garbage and like i said even the the second half how many times Two, three times did they march right to the goal line and not get it done and go for it on third down? And you had to go for it. Like, I get what they were doing, but you're just like, oh, my God, this is so inept, right? Like, we're nothing until suddenly you're not. And, yeah, it it was a fun game to watch. Before we move off this, I'll ask you quickly. You know, the two home wins in a row now, uh, but in fairly unimpressive fashion as you've pointed out here correctly on the second one you know they're down several quarterbacks two of them for the year what do you think is left for this team are they good enough outside of that quarterback position to grind out a third place in the east or something or is this going to be you know despite the euphoria we all felt on saturday you know pretty long and and potentially disappointing season Uh, it's so hard to tell um i mean based on what we've seen so far unless we're proven otherwise saturday was the exception not the rule yeah yeah so i'm again i feel like i'm really debbie downering this whole situation (laughs) because i feel like there are a lot of red blacks fans who are riding high and i'm like yeah but um i i hope it's monday morning and i hope time to time to get back to the real world time to check in (laughs) I hope I hope that you know. There's I said this on the podcast last week. There's always new quarterback syndrome, where a, much like a goalie, you know, other teams don't have a ton of game film on Dustin Crum, right. so maybe he can capitalize on that for a few wins. Um, they'll figure him out eventually. And again, especially if he is going to rely on his feet more than his arm, they're going to figure that out real fast. And he's got to trust his arm a bit more, and the O line's got to give him more support. I mean, the defense is always solid. They have been. That, that nothing has changed there. Lewis Ward is Lewis Ward. I mean, up until the last Probably five minutes, he was scored. the only points we had yeah, in this exactly. game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and therein lies the problem, right? Like like I, I was saying to Josh yesterday, like I think I've said this probably other times. You know, they've changed the GM, yep. they've changed the coaching staff, yep. they've brought in several. Like they've changed almost the entire roster, and yet we are in year four of just abysmal football and the quarterback stuff like that is just pure bad luck. It's awful. I don't know how else to explain that. 
And, and that sucks. You know, you bring in Jeremiah Mazzoli. We were all so excited. And like my heart just breaks for that guy. Like to have, have this many season ending injuries, especially since coming to Ottawa, like it really, really sucks. And, and that's nobody's fault, but I need to see more than the last five minutes of that game to feel confident in this team. And until I do, there's, they might make the playoffs because that's the way the East plays out. It's Toronto and basically everybody else. So yeah, they might make the playoffs, but they were also in playoff contention, like way later than they should have been last year. (laughs) So I'm, I'm still not overly optimistic. Yes or no. One word answer. Do you want McLeod Bethel Thompson? Oh, is that a word? Can I make that my answer? (laughs) I don't know how to spell it, but yeah, I guess we'll count. Uh, honestly, no. Okay. I, he, it's, it's weird to say that about the literal defending gray cup champion. (laughs) I never liked him that much. Okay. And I don't know that he's the guy. And I also don't know that he wants to be here. I know he was released by the USFL team that he went to or whatever league it was. I feel like if he wanted to stay in the CFL, he would have. I think that's fair, but it's a name people are talking about, and he's a game it's manager. A he's got he's a little a more experience than than some of what you have. So, uh, yeah, no, worth I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him in. Yeah, um, I don't know that he'd be the solution, but I also like who else are you going to go with? Right. Like, Kevin, there's no Kevin one available. Glenn's still kicking around somewhere. Can we do that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He probably would never would never set foot in Ottawa. No, that's, fa- that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, why don't we touch on, kicking off this week, the World Cup down in Australia, New Zealand. Um, look, down under. Down under. Well done. I'm not even going to try and replicate that. Uh, look, this is um, the first chance Canada has had on the biggest stage to show who they are, what they are since they won an Olympic gold medal. And for whatever reason, and maybe part of this is just how infrequent these events are, but there's been this story that's been built of Canada being better at the Olympics than they are at the World Cup. And so I'm curious what your take is as we move into the Women's World Cup starting, I think it's this Thursday is Canada's first game. Um, Whether or not you are excited about Canada's prospects. This team continues to battle with its own NSO um, here at home. Uh, I don't believe they're coming with a full roster. Like, what is your what is your level of anticipation and excitement for this Canadian team heading into the FIFA World Cup starting this week? Matthew. Mm. I oh, I've am Matthew. so this is gonna be excited <laughs> for this tournament. Okay. I am changing my sleep schedule to watch 23 women kick a ball, plus another 23 women kick a ball around for 90 minutes. I am so excited okay. for this tournament. I have been waiting for it for weeks. This is going to be, already is, the biggest women's sporting event mm-hmm. of all time. They have sold well over a million tickets at this point, and they are anticipating it to be the most viewed women's FIFA, FIFA Women's World Cup of all time. So I am very excited. Now, for Canada's prospects. Yes. Yes, they have. When you compare their Olympic performance 
two bronze and a gold medal in the last three Olympics. Pretty good. They have struggled in the World Cup. Yeah. They have struggled in the World Cup. There's no there's no way around it. Their best performance so far was 2003 when they made it to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2019, the most recent World Cup, they uh, failed to get past the round of 16. And in 2015, where they were the damn hosts yeah. of the tournament, they got beat out in the quarterfinals. So they have struggled in the World Cup. There's no getting around that. And they are in what is being deemed the group of death in oh, this you one never want to with be in that group. No. No, that's a bad group. Yeah. Um it, it's it's group B for bad. Uh, <laughs> so it's 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 Canada, Australia, Ireland and Nigeria. And while Canada is technically the highest rated yeah. team in this group at 7, um you know, Australia they're the hosts, so mm-hmm. they've got that home field advantage going for them. They also have I think the best player in the world right now and I don't think anybody would really dispute me on that in Sam Kerr Hmm. she is an absolute phenom and she's the she's their captain I am terrified of Canada (laughs) going up against Sam Kerr she is quite literally she's terrifying she's she's the uh, all-time leading goal scorer for Australia with 65 goals she just helped Chelsea win their fourth straight women's super league title and their third straight FA cup and she is without a doubt one of the best players in the world right now so she's terrifying then you've got Ireland it's their first world cup this is the first time they've qualified they're kind of in that playing with house money space where they don't no one really knows what they're gonna do but there's no pressure on them yeah very dangerous. They're riding that high of even qualifying for the first time. They had a closed door match against Colombia a couple of days ago. It was canceled 20 minutes in because it got too violent. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really nervous to see what goes on between Canada and Ireland. Uh, and then you have Nigeria who really of all these teams has the best record in the world cup because they have literally qualified for every single one. Right. Um, they've been one of the most dominant continental African teams for a long time. They just lost the AFCON in in the AFCON semifinals to Morocco, but up until that, like they really have been dominating the African football scene. Um, they too are fighting with their federation. They were actually at risk of boycotting the first game against Canada. So that they've got kind of that added fire in their belly. So we get us three points, right? Like if we could talk them back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was part of me that was like, Oh no, that sucks. But also do we get a win? Right. Um, and they've got a number of, of fantastic players, uh, in particular, Assistet Oshuala, who's the best uh, player from Africa right now. She's actually the first person from Africa to be nominated for the Ballon d'Or Feminin. So she's and she's got 90 goals in 96 appearances for Barcelona. Girlfriend can put up points. Um <laughs> So I'm really nervous about the group that Canada is in. I think it's still realistic to think that they could at least come out of it. You know, you need to be one of the top two teams. I think that they can at least beat two of these teams right? and they can come out of it. Um, and then from there, I mean, it gets even more scary because, uh, you know, th- this is one of the more, one of the most competitive world cups we've also seen. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm soup. I, I am, while I am so excited, I am so, so, so nervous, but I'm also nervous for every tournament that Canada enters. <laughs> um, I think they are being unfairly underrated because, like they're they're Australia is the favorite to come out of this group, and I get the whole home field advantage thing, but Canada is the best team in this group on paper. They're the highest rated team, and they're also the defending gold medal winners from this the Olympics. Is, so, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Right? Is we have heard so much, not just on sports TV and and whatever, but like on CBC, the national. 
they've been leading with this Canadian team is feeling disrespected. Like it's not getting the attention it deserves for being, you know, uh, an Olympic gold medalist, not just an Olympic defending Olympic gold medals. The most recent Olympic gold medal is Canada's. And I, I, we've seen teams do this before across all sports, right? We are the underdog. You try and misplace, you know, or, or move the pressure to someone else. Are you feeling that? Like, is, is this a legitimate complaint from this Canadian team that they're not getting the respect they deserve? Or is this that thing you do where you try to make yourself the underdog, put the pressure on someone else? Like, how are you looking at this? Because this has been a big story from this Canadian women's team. Everyone who's been interviewed has said it. We're not getting the respect we deserve. I think it's valid because in the coverage I've seen, they're absolutely not getting the respect they deserve. A lot of people are even going so far as to call their Olympic gold medal win a fluke. I don't know how you win a gold medal by fluke, but that's just me. <laughs> um, and it's it, it, like, you know, even it, down to the most basic level, you look at the one of the promo videos that the U.S. Women's National Team did where they were kind of like they were having people from each country talk about how to beat the U.S. And they, you know, they had someone from England and someone from France and someone from the Netherlands nowhere i think canada was a very brief mention in there and i'm like oh you're not going to give some credit to the last team that beat you in an elimination game yeah yeah like like and i get it like that was the first time canada beat them since 2001 but like come on canada literally was the last team to eliminate you from a tournament right it wasn't that long ago i i do think they are getting disrespected when you look at the odds makers when you look at the people who are who are you know picking their favorite to win canada is getting very little respect and I think part of it is, you know, they have played poorly in the World Cup in the past. Mm-hmm. We we have not seen a, a a really decent World Cup performance in a long time from them. And then if you also look at their most recent games, like the She Believes Cup, for example, which I don't think is fair to judge them on because they were in the middle of a very yeah. public and, and kickoff to that fight with Canada soccer. Um I watched that game, the, the game against the U.S. live, and that was not the team Canada I'm used to watching. Like, they were shells of themselves. So I don't think that's fair to judge them on. They haven't, like, the other thing is, they haven't gotten a ton of playing time together because Canada soccer refuses refused to give them a send-off game and right. refused to give them a fair number of, of friendlies heading into this tournament. So they certainly have not been set up to succeed by their federation. Um but I do think that you have to give the defending Olympic champions some respect and, and they're not getting that. And that's super frustrating if they're able to use that to some sort of advantage in, in playing the underdog card, like hats off to them, because I think it's fair at the same time, you're looking at a can a Canada roster that I think is, is very solid. Um, and they do have, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the world, and that's Kaylin Sheridan. Uh, they made the Concacaf finals she didn't in 2022. Even start in that gold medal game in the Olympics, like this is someone. No, who, yeah, like yeah, Stephanie like, Labe was right. was the goalie at the, but she did start in the Concacaf finals. Right, she did take home the Concacaf tournament Golden Glove and Best Eleven. She was named NWSL Goalkeeper of the Year last year. She is. Without She's a shadow legit. of a doubt, the yeah. best goalkeeper in the world. She's the best goalkeeper in the world. Okay. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any argument against it. And then, like, you know, you look at the rest of the roster, and you've got a ton of a great mixture of of veterans and youth. Um, everyone remembers Jesse Fleming, uh, and yeah. and you know she's right there. You've got veterans like Sophie Schmidt and Christine St. Clair. Um, Sophie Schmidt, this is going to be her last World Cup, so so we're all kind of you know watching sadly, but Kadisha Buchanan, Ashley Lawrence, same thing. And then you've got these great young players like Jordan Heidema and um, 
uh, Olivia Smith, who's 18 years old, Simi Awujo. Like, there's there's such a good balance on this team. They're, they've certainly dealt with injuries. You know, Janine Becky's out, yeah. Desiree Scott's out. That's Both heartbreaking. Huge names, yeah. Huge names. But it, unfortunately, the reality in women's soccer right now is everyone's losing players because. Right. You know, women's soccer players aren't given the proper facilities and training, and they all seem to tear their ACLs as a result. So it's not Canada's not the only team dealing with that. Sure, um, but I, I'm feeling fairly. Con- I'm nervous because I'm just a nervous sports fan in general. <laughs> but I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this team. I, I don't know where the disrespect comes from, and and I I love Bev Priestman. I trust her. You know, they had a closed door match against England the other day. It was a nil nil draw, but. You know, you got to score goals at the same time. The fact that you didn't allow goals against England is a pretty good indicator. So we'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, let me ask you to take your fan hat off and just have your analyst hat on. How do you see this Canadian team shaking loose? Is it a... Is it a a championship contender? Is it sort of a semi-finalist, but probably bow it? Like top four, top eight? Like where do you see Team Canada based on everything they're working through right now? Well, it's it's hard to say because one of the things that Bev Priestman is so good at is elimination games. And like, you know, they may have done it by the skin of their teeth and caused me several uh, years lost in my life in the Olympics. (laughs) Years off my life. Just absolute years. Um, They did it. They they managed to find a way to win in every single game. And it may have been close and it may, you know, a lot of what Team Canada does is they play a really good structural game and they wait for the other team to make mistakes. That happened in the Olympics. I do think they've also been figured out a little bit. I don't think you're going to see the U.S. And, and now the only time the U.S. and the Canada would play is if they made it to the finals right. together, yeah. which makes me nervous just saying it loud. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think you. I don't think this U.S. team would let that happen again. I also don't think you know some of the other top teams in the world, whether it's Germany, France, England. I don't think any of the the Netherlands. I don't think any of those teams would make the mistakes that we saw teams make in the Olympics. I think that Canada needs to play a bit more of an aggressive game. They've got the players to do it. If you just let Jesse Fleming loose or let Julia (laughs) Garasso loose in a game. And like, you know, people love to look at Christine St. Clair, like a, a, I don't know, a courtesy ad on this, uh, on this roster or an ad for veteran leadership and nothing else. She still got it, man. She may not be the goal scorer she once was because the the, the goal scorer she once was, was literally the best goal scorer in the world. Yeah. She's still a phenomenal player. And the way that Portland has been using her is very much in the midfield, that supporting offensive role. Granted, they've got players like Crystal Dunn and Sophia Smith who have no problem putting the ball in the back of the right. net. But Christine Sinclair has been scoring a decent amount, and she's been contributing a lot when she doesn't make it on the score sheet. So I think they also need to to use her appropriately here. But I, I, I think that if they just played a touch more of an aggressive game, it's this tournament is literally anybody's, if I'm being completely honest with you. Among those top teams I, I named, I really think you could see any of them walk away with the championship. So, and so I think Canada's got a fighting shot. So I, I'm dragging this out a bit on you. I, I, I know you got stuff to do here, but I, I got two more questions for this or for you on this. I, I'm curious mm-hmm. as we get into this, if you're not watching Canada and you are adjusting your sleep patterns to fit literally the furthest possible place in the world that you are trying to watch <laughs> a soccer tournament in, a, a sporting event in, who else 
should we be looking for, because you know me, like you're in bed at like 9.30 p.m. At like midnight, I'm still looking for like one more sporting event to watch before I go to bed. Who am I looking at? Who who else at this tournament is is somebody that I need to jump on and, and you know, maybe, maybe if things don't go right for Canada, uh, an easy bandwagon leap. Oh, okay. So if you're looking for a team to cheer for, I'm not, I'm going to just say real quick, you're probably not going to cheer for this team. Don't say USA. Excuse me, but... I, you got to keep your eye on the USA. They're I always know they're gonna good. Be I'm not going to cheer for the, them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't cheer for them. Cheer against them. Yes, cheer okay. for whoever they're playing, though, because that's a fun game to play too. No, like this U.S. Women's National Team is super fun to watch, and provided you know maybe they get knocked out in the quarterfinals, it's going to be fun to watch them until that point because then you can root for it from there. Um, they've got an incredible amount of young talent in, in, you know, Sophia Smith, Alyssa Thompson, Trinity Rodman. They are some of the most electric players in the world right now, especially Sophia Smith. You got veterans like Crystal Dunn and Alex Morgan. This is Megan Rapinoe's last world cup. So like all of that, I think is worth watching, worth keeping your eye on. Um, I mentioned Australia earlier. I do think that they are 100% one of the other teams you should be keeping an eye on for Sam Kerr alone. Like she is just so much fun to watch. And I I think that, you know, it's fun to watch, provided they're not playing Canada. It's going to be fun (laughs) to watch the way Australia supports Australia and New Zealand supports New Zealand already. Like they've sold out an 80,000 person stadium for their opening game. Right. So that's going to be a really, really fun team. England's another one uh, who I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Uh, They won Euro 2022 over Germany at home. The way that country got behind them was just so, so amazing. Uh, They've got fantastic players like Rachel Daly. Unfortunately, they're also missing a number of players. Beth Mead, um, Leah Williamson, their captain, both down with injuries. But they've got so many good, talented players. And uh, I think they're... I've, I kind of named them one of the front runners to challenge the U.S. the most for this championship. Mm. Um, but then you've got you know teams like the Netherlands who are always in it, France, Sweden. You know they were they were the uh, yeah. silver medalists in the in the Olympics who Canada beat. So they're all of those teams. Um, I think are are not only going to be super entertaining, but I think could walk away with this. And and of course Brazil. Uh, this yeah. is Marta's last World Cup. I think that's absolutely worth watching. They've got young players like Dabinia who are kind of take that the, Marta's passing the torch to. Um, they're so much fun to watch, and the way their fans support them. Like I was in the the game I watched at the She Believes Cup before Canada USA was Brazil Japan, and like it was an afternoon game, so the stadium wasn't super full. But every time Brazil touched the ball, like that stadium was shaking. <laughs> and when Marta stepped on, when Marta was warming up, <laughs> they started losing their damn minds. Like they worship her, like we worship Sinc- Christine Sinclair. Right. Um, so those are some of the teams that I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, last one for you, then on the World Cup. Let's get political for a second, because this is going to be part of the story. And we saw at the Men's World Cup, uh, you know, some some players who wanted to wear this this one love, you know, support for LGBT armband. Um, And it was banned. We saw the British at first say, you know, we're going to take a stand. We're going to wear this anyway. And then maybe not. Uh, it, It got shitty in a hurry. And part of FIFA's defense of that was, Look, we're guests in Qatar. If they don't believe in this, like, who are we to rub it in their faces? And that was always a shit argument to begin with. But now we're not in Qatar. We are in Australia and New Zealand, two of the most open-minded countries in the world. 
and they have come down again and said, yeah, no, you're not, you're not going to wear that. And perhaps sports fans will not be surprised to learn many, many of the athletes who compete at the Women's World Cup might be gay, right? There, there might be some lesbians as part of these teams, and they're probably they're lesbians, Stacy. <laughs> yes. They're not these these women probably not as as willing to just take a step back as so many of the men that we saw last year in a country like even if you were willing to accept the Qatar excuse it doesn't apply here and uh, uh, the name i want to bring to your attention here ask you to maybe set, uh, take off from is Megan Rapino who you just mentioned <laughs> this is her final world cup she's getting ready to retire this is a woman who has never been shy about saying what's on her mind. And now she's getting ready to retire. She has nothing to lose. They can't hurt her. And I wonder what, if anything, you expect to see here. Do we assume that this all gets stomped down the way that it was at the Men's World Cup? Or are people going to make a point here in a place that, quite frankly, is going to be far more willing to support that stand, right? I, I would not at all expect Australia or New Zealand to boo these women or whatever. Like, this is a stupid FIFA decision, not an Australia-New Zealand decision. What are you expecting to see here? Oh, my God. When I saw this rule come down, the first words in my head were good fucking luck. <laughs> good fucking luck yeah. getting these women not to take... You know what? They were probably going to take less of a stand before than they are now. Right. If you would just let them wear these armbands, nothing would... They would have worn it at the most. Nothing yeah. would have happened. But now you've pushed and me. And now... And, yeah. No. <laughs> and you've pushed the wrong people, my friend, because, yeah, mo the... I don't know the exact percentage, but covering women's sports the way that I do, I would say close to if not half of these women are openly gay sure and they i mean sam kerr the captain of australia one of the host nations is an openly gay woman mm -hmm. in a relationship with christy mewis on the u.s women's national team right. you think either of them are going to be very quiet during this tournament no <laughs> megan rapino we saw what she did when she did have something to lose she put her entire career on the line at one point and was with the, the first uh athlete outside of Colin Kaepernick to kneel during the anthem. Yep. She took on Donald Trump head to head. This woman is afraid of nothing. And yeah, you're right. It's her last World Cup. She's got nothing to lose. <laughs> like as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good because what are these women going to do? There was this theory at one point, um, and I think it's still very much alive and well. A lot of these women have dyed their hairs different colors. Like Megan Rapinoe's hair is is blue right I now, saw and that, yeah. a lot of people think they're going to show up and just like Line be up. a giant rainbow flag, like a rainbow. Fuck, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! And like, and, and and you're right. Like the the argument that FIFA made during the men's World Cup was shit at best. Yep. Well, we're guests here. No, you chose to go there. You took yep. money and you chose to go there. You <laughs> took blood money and you chose to go there. And now you're making the oh we're guests argument. Fuck off. Like yeah. FIFA. Oh, I just it's <laughs> it's like saying the obvious. Like they're, they're the most corrupt and ass backwards organization on the planet. And the fact that they the fact that they would do this before the Women's World Cup a shows me they don't watch women's soccer. They know nothing about these athletes because every single every single person on Twitter was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> because these athletes are not just openly gay. They're not afraid to say. Right. To say what they want, to, to vocalize their support for the LGBTQ well, and this plus is community. In a, this is a and place they're not a minority. Human rights. Like, 
This, well, exactly. You don't even have like, to be a scared little, I don't know if people have my back. People probably have your back at the Women's World Cup, yeah. right? Like, I don't know where this came from. Because, yeah, it's not like they're in a place where they're getting political pressure. Right. Um, I don't know if it was sponsorship money. And, and you know, a lot of these companies that, that sponsor FIFA are not exactly squeaky clean themselves, That's right. right? That's so right. that probably played a big role. But, but for me, FIFA made it, if people supporting the LGBTQ plus community is a bad thing for FIFA, which evidently they deem it as such, they made it so much worse on themselves by doing this because you are going to see athletes be so much more vocally supportive. And quite honestly, like probably not just in support of the LGBTQ plus community, but also in, in uh, like against FIFA, right? They made it, they made, they gave themselves a problem and, and it could have been avoided just by not doing this. You, you, you genuinely didn't have to do anything. You could have just left it open. If they want to wear one love armbands, let them wear one love right. armbands. If they don't, they don't. They made it so much worse on themselves. And I, for one, cannot wait to see what they do. It's going to be, it sucks that we've gotten here, but it's going to be amazing to watch. Because as you said, all FIFA had oh, yeah. to do was nothing. Just do nothing. All they nothing. had to do was nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. And some of these oh. athletes would have worn it. Some of them wouldn't. We'd have carried on and watched a great sporting event. But now you've made it a thing. And now you've forced people on these teams who maybe wouldn't have worn it to begin with. Do I want to support my teammate? Yeah, I probably do. Like, these women are tight, right? Like, these people are close. They, uh, you've made this so much bigger than it ever had to be. And it's baffling that you could be this big of a sporting organization and have misread and mishandled this quite so poorly. Um, and I'll, I'll say it like these women have way more balls than <laughs> the male athletes do. And, and I mean true. that because you think you think you're going to scare these women with a yellow card. Yeah. You're not trust me. You're not, they don't give a fuck. Like they're going to, they, they have factored that in and they are going to do it, and they're going to be so much louder than they would have otherwise, and they don't Well, it shouldn't be care. funny. And I know. It, it shouldn't be funny, but it is. Like, you don't pay these women enough to be scared. Like, these men who are making, like, exactly. $80 million a year or whatever now to go play in Saudi Arabia. Well, I better not wear the one level. Yeah, I'm making, like, $3,500 a year to play for... I don't even know FC Utah, and I'm not really all that afraid. You can't hurt me. So, I, you just... It's almost this self-fulfilling prophecy of you mistreat people long enough, then they don't give a shit about you anymore. It's yeah, that's how it goes. And, and no one has been more poorly treated than these athletes at times. So I'm again, I I almost think like if there's a silver lining in all of this, like these women were always going to come out in support 100%. of the LGBTQ plus community. Now they're going to be even more vocal about it. And if there's a silver lining to come out of this, it's that because this community needs our support right now, especially in the States and, and you know, in many other countries across the world as well. What but a statement, I think that, eh? that support, especially in the oh. States, when you consider some of the countries <laughs> competing in this thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's get you out 20, of here. Your- I think it's, Go ahead. Sorry, I, I don't mean to cut off there. I was just going to say it's it's worth noting that there are over twenty states right now that have mm-hmm. a law, some sort of law passed to ban or restrict uh, the LGBT plus community in some way, whether it's trans athletes, whether it's bathroom use. Uh, same number of states, twenty plus, have some sort of abortion law limiting access to health care for women. So. Um, never has this been more important in the States. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we've ever seen these athletes be as vocal as they're about to be. So settle in folks. It's going to be very interesting. Well, and that's just it, right? 
why don't you go represent this country that's doing everything it can to restrict your rights? Uh, that's always an interesting exactly. conversation. Uh, let's get you out of here, though, on some WNBA talk just quickly. I know you had a chance to catch over the weekend. Uh, the WNBA All-Star festivities have been going on. By all accounts, so far, uh, official numbers aren't in, but another record-setting weekend for the WNBA. This comes on the heels of a record-setting first half of their season in terms of TV ratings. This is all going up, up, up again. Who um, As someone who's not particularly a basketball fan, I didn't watch almost any of this, but it was all over my TV when I was looking around for the CFL on Saturday. Uh, this was on multiple channels. It looks like it got the attention it deserved. Uh, what do you take away from WNBA All-Star Weekend? I mean, it's been fantastic so far. The, the the first thing I think everyone noticed was, or, or probably uh, paid attention to, was Sabrina and Eskew's three-point competition. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Uh, she dropped 25 of 27 shots. And if you watch this clip, it's just mesmerizing. Like, every single thing is going in <laughs> the basket. And she just doesn't stop. Um, she set a record for the three-point competition. Allie Quigley, the previous winner of the three-point shooting competition, was there to give her props. It was it was a pretty cool moment. Um, and then in the game itself, I mean, I've been talking about Jewel Lloyd to anybody who will listen this year. And she showed me why, because she took home the MVP for the All-Star game. Yeah. She put up 31 points in in this game most points in WNBA all-star game history um that poor girl is is on an island alone in Seattle uh, but she's <laughs> on one of the worst teams in the league she's one of the leading scorers in the league and I think she is actually a front runner for the MVP so far this year huh. she's having a fantastic season um not getting much support from her teammates but that's another story um Brittany Griner for Brittany me was a huge story yeah. yes fantastic oh, to see her so there great. getting her flowers right being recognized after everything she's been through with that stage dunking yes <laughs> unbelievable she put down a dunk I called it I knew she would yeah it, you know she, it's great to see her Russia, back now. right she's back being you know, um, recognized and, and getting the attention she deserves for doing what she's already so great at doing. This isn't just like, hey, good for you. We're all happy you're home. No, this is someone who deserves to be there and be recognized and, and compete here. Yeah, no, exactly. And and she was an honorary um, all-star member last year while she was wrongfully detained yes. in Russia. So uh, it was it was so great to see her um there and and just be happy like anytime i see her happy i'm just like i'm so happy um the the poor girl has been through a lot and it's it's really great to see her her back and and yes i mean she she threw down man we knew she was gonna dunk she dunked um it's uh it's just been a great weekend overall uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on in the wnba and um i uh, i really enjoyed watching it yeah and you know as we stated sort of off the top all kinds of attention well warranted or this is an all-star game it, it should be on these networks it is I, I like i said flipping around not just while the games were on but during the the highlight shows it was getting the uh the attention it deserves so uh you know it's, it's basketball in general not my scene but you know it it's getting the the attention that it should and that that's been awesome to see and you know just in general numbers across but you're seeing Things that are stupid, like last year, you were like, well, it was up 400% in viewership. You're like, that seems unsustainable. And this year, it's up 600% on another network. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, it, it just yeah. feels like this is one of those things that when you finally give it a little attention and allow people to watch it, people will watch it. And that's something you've said here a hundred times is no one's asking for any special treatment. Just put it on TV and see what happens. And, oh, look, there it is on TV and people are watching it. So... 
there it is. Yeah, like I think what we're seeing, and, and I said this last year, like last year we saw a bunch of increases in viewership, and it was like, how did they do that? By quite literally putting it on TV. <laughs> and this year is like, oh, we're still seeing increases. How did they do that? And I'm like, by marketing it. Right. <laughs> by, because they weren't doing that, right? They put it on TV, but no one knew when to watch. And now we're seeing, again, there's a lot of room for growth, but like sure. I am seeing it marketed more than I ever have. And I think that's a great thing. And, and yeah, you know, it, the WNBA games in particular, the bigger games are on ABC. They're not just on, right. on ESPN and TSN's airing them more. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to see these increases because they're just being made more accessible. And that right there shows that there's been an appetite for this for a long time and that it just hasn't been available. So, um, yeah, those numbers keep going up and then they keep airing it more and then the numbers keep going up and then they keep airing it more. Like right. it's, it's just a cycle, right? So sure. I think we're going to continue to see that. I think you're right. And, and it's, it's such a good point. Cause like last night I'm watching, I'm watching the Red Blacks game and then I'm watching the Stamps and Riders game and then I'm watching the UFC and all of it because it's just on the same channel. Like I didn't go looking for any of it. It's just there in front of me. So I keep watching. And that's what the women's sports have been missing for so long. It's not you just stumble over it, right? Like you never just Mm -hmm. trip on it. It's never been available. And now it is. And people are like, oh, shit, like if I'm into basketball, that's what I'm going to watch. I, I'll, I'm not a huge soccer person, but the World Cup, I'm going to be watching that this week, right? I want to see how Canada does. Uh, I'm like that with most sports, right? I don't know if we're any good at this or not, but that, that person's wearing a Maple Leaf. I'll watch that, right? So put it on TV and see what happens. Uh, you are not on TV, Shrides, but you are on the radio. You are on the podcast. Uh, we got Mouchoir, a Red Blacks podcast. We got She's Got Game. Where can people find these things? What do we got coming up? What do you want to pimp right now? Well, you can find uh, She's Got Game wherever you get your podcasts, which is a huge step. Um, Also on any of your local TSN radio websites. Uh, We will be covering the World Cup extensively. We just had our World Cup preview show, uh, which should be available now on wherever you get your podcasts. So check that out. Uh, Mouchoir podcast, same thing, wherever you get your podcasts. We will have a new episode this week because how can we not? Of course. Um, We got to recap that game. Uh, Don't uh, like go listen to the latest episode, but don't judge us too hard because we we were not in the best mental space after last week's game. Uh, it was a little dark, but don't worry, things get better. Um, and yeah, you can also find uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Threads now. Yeah. Apparently, uh, at Shrides. S C H R E I D S. I'm taking it. There you go. <laughs> it's too much fun to let you have it. It's. <laughs> uh, we're on social media at Talkin Audio. You can give us a follow there, and on uh, well, frankly, wherever you're hearing us right now on your uh, your podcast app go ahead and hit subscribe uh we too are on threads for now i don't know if it's going to be a thing but if it becomes a thing uh let it never be said that we didn't happily follow the uh the lemmings over there so uh shrides appreciate you doing this as always hope we didn't keep you too long but man we had a ton to cover this week thank you so much no thank you for having me matt go canada go canada we'll wind this one down here i'm gonna head out see if i'm jumping on the back of a tube behind the boat or if i'm grabbing another beer or maybe both Uh, we'll see if i can balance that uh we'll shut this one down here that's been episode 1143 of tall can audio and we'll see you next time what was that number one bullshit oh number one bullshit why are you so pissy